Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Card Overflow. I'm your host today again, Furukawa. And today we'll we'll have a really interesting conversation. We have Dan Bischoff and Chris Knudsen, who are the partners of Stoic Yeti, an ad agency for direct-to-consumer brands to scale with paid paid ads. We'll we'll dig into that, but also with a very interesting story of starting, scaling, and growing Purple Mattress to a public company. Dan and Chris, welcome. Hey, Jen, how you doing? Good to be here. I'm doing great, thanks, and and really excited about this. But first, I thought maybe we could just start with a quick introduction of, because it seems like you guys were met as maybe part of SEO.com, but with Purple is maybe where you cut your teeth in terms of growing and scaling and, and honing honing in on these direct-to-consumer marketing plays. Can we dig into that a little bit, your experience at Purple, the the circumstances then and what you did to bring it to a public company? Sure. Yeah. It's so yeah, like you mentioned, Dan and I met at SEO.com, which was a big SEO agency, as you can imagine back in the day, it's not very big anymore, but it was then. And that was 2009. So 12, 13 years ago that we met there, we both worked in marketing at SEO.com. And, and after we both left SEO.com, we continued to work together on projects. I was mainly in consulting at the time and Dan was actually running another agency for part of that time. And then I got called by the founders. I'll make this like a really short story, right? Like it's a very long story, but I'll make it like at least just the interesting pieces. But the the founders at Purple contacted me to come in and help them figure out a go-to-market strategy for the Purple Mattress. I thought it was insane at the time. I thought it was a stupid idea because I didn't believe that anybody would buy a mattress online, but I was wrong. I went and did my research and at the time, this is in 2015, Casper was Casper just raised about $72 million in venture capital and was really proving out the market. So I took that on as a project. And as part of that, I brought Dan in and then both of us ended up joining the company, but it's uh, and and launched it ultimately in, in January of 2015. And, and it was a really stellar launch and stellar couple of years of growth in there. Dan actually ran growth at Purple for about four years. And then we started Stoic, Stoic Yeti together because we had a lot of people showing up our world who were like, Hey, how did you guys do this at Purple? Like, what was the magic, right? And which we're happy to talk about. We talk about it all the time. But they're like, what, what was the magic? Like, what really got that thing to fly? And we uh, we both didn't want like a real job anymore. And so it was like, okay, let's uh, let's go start this thing up and go uh, go make a go of it. And so we've grown pretty fast in the last couple of years. And and mainly, like you said, we mainly work with direct consumer technology companies. But uh, Dan, what would you add to that? Just like, especially I blew through that Purple part, like completely. So yeah, I think the world has changed now from 2016, but there's a lot of principles that stay the same. We we had a video that's had you know a billion video views over over that time. It came out strong, and there was a lot of supporting pieces to that to make it work. It wasn't just one viral video, and there was there was problem scaling. You know, going the first year we did did 60 million. And second year, near 200 million. And that, that creates problems with the success comes problems with operations and, and, you know, being out of stock and figuring out how to grow the ad platforms and going into new ad platforms and the amount of creative you need to test and work with as you scale that spend, you know, still relevant today. It's just a different kind of like the way we launch it today was probably very different than when we launched it in 20, 2015, 2016. Yeah. And you mentioned Casper had 72 million in funding. You guys went the Kickstarter route, right? And so you you had funding, but it might have been a little bit more almost like in the bootstrap sense, right? Because well, banks kinda. are parked up front. I mean, yeah, kind not really though. Like it it was 
Casper really plowed the road. They took that venture capital investment and then they went out and educated the market on why you should buy a mattress online, which was awesome for Purple because Purple didn't have to do that education piece and spend all that money to educate the market, right? We just came in right behind that with a better offering. Frankly, it was a better offering. It's a much differentiated offering than kind of the three layer foam mattresses that you find in the space right now. And that was especially the case with Casper at the time. It was just a three layer foam mattress where we brought in a gel layer that was very differentiated and it was very demonstrable. So it was easy to use video to talk about that product. But yes, we did start with a, a Kickstarter campaign, mainly because the owners or, or the founders of Purple, we wanted them to put a million dollars in the launch, which they actually had personally. So, but they needed to be convinced a little bit that there was like, this was going to fly, right? So Dan's idea was, hey, why don't we do a Kickstarter? And so, which was a great idea. So we went back to him and said, hey, like, what do you want to see out of, what, what success do you guys, right? And they said, well, look, if you can sell a hundred mattresses on a Kickstarter, we'll, we'll fund the launch. Like we'll put the million, the million dollars in for the launch. And we sold, I think, 240 mattresses on that Kickstarter. Part of it was in Indiegogo as well, but mostly in Kickstarter. So that was in the late fall, October, November of 2015. And then when that, just, when that went, they greenlighted the rest of the marketing plan. We filmed what's called now kind of famously the Goldilocks campaign, the Goldilocks video, which has you know billions of views. We filmed that over Christmas of 2015, then launched in January, 2016. So, so we, uh, we didn't have outside investment. The, the, the guys that own the company, they had the money to do it. And uh, we just had to kind of give them some validation that it was going to fly. And that's what happened. Yeah. I've definitely seen that. It's Harmon brothers, right? That did the video. Yeah. Harmon brothers is the agency we engaged on the video side, but I mean, there was a lot of other things that went into that, that camp. Like we were doing really early influencer stuff there that a lot of people like today, it's very common. But we were doing like very early influencer stuff there. We were doing very early like review site partnership stuff on that launch. We did a lot of things just in the marketing there that were very guerrilla. At least that's how I would define it. Now today it would just be like basically your D2C marketing 101 type stuff that you do, right? But that back then it was like almost unheard of things. So so but I think it was the combination. Key. I mean, that, that was key to do that because when you launch a new brand, people's first response, they go to Google and they type in the brand and reviews, right? They want to see some third-party party validation. And right on right top of the search results, we had a Casper versus Purple review site or review page third from, party. A, from an affiliate, you know, third-party review site that was, you know, made, had a review that said that it was a better mattress. So, you know, that it probably would not have worked near as well, you know, to make that whole machine go without that that you know, that side on the search results. The other piece of that too was the Amazon side. Like at the time yeah. you could do this on Amazon where we, we could go out to all the Kickstarter people, a couple hundred people. And we said, Hey, if you go in and write us a really nice review on Amazon, we'll send you two free pillows. And everybody went in and wrote a review and we sent them all free pillows. Right. And to, you know, today we're working on Amazon under a different model of verified purchases and things like that. But back then it was simple. Like we came out of the, the, the gate with like a hundred reviews on Amazon that people could look to and go, oh, this is a five-star mattress, right? So all of that stuff kind of worked together with the, the video campaign, which was the foundation of the launch. It all worked together to have like what I'll call like kind of a thermonuclear effect. It just really just, it spread like crazy, right? And that coupled with the way the platforms really worked back then, especially with virality and viral coefficients, 
and sharing that the, a lot of these things that we don't see a lot anymore, like virality is kind of gone and people and their habits and the way they share in social media is totally different today than it was back then. The way they consume content, that was a long form, like five, four or five minute video. Like people consume video content very differently on platforms today. All that stuff worked in our favor then that just like Dan said, if we were to launch it today, it would probably be a very different campaign. I, I totally hear that. And I was also kind of in that space working at Jungle Scout with, we had a product called Jump Send at the time. And all of a sudden, like the Amazon terms of service changed. You can't incentivize reviews. And then <laughs> we had to rebrand real quick. Like that, the, the product oh, yeah. was built around reviews. So I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. If we can just fast forward to today, and I, I know you don't necessarily have eyes, you know, from, from operating the business, but what does a funnel look like of a high average order value product like that? And in particular, I, I'm, you know, I think there, there's, you know, a handful, Purple, Tufta Needle, Casper, Helix. I particularly am drawn by Helix because it seems at the top of their funnel, they have a quiz. And the quiz seems mm -hmm. to be very informative in the sense of like, if you walk into a mattress store, there are some key data points that you need to know. How many people are going to be sleeping on it? Where are the pain points? How do you, are you a side sleeper, back sleeper, stomach sleeper? And then of course there's the email capture and then they're directed to a personalized landing page that seems optimized for the conversion. But my assumption is that you don't necessarily buy a $1,500 mattress on one click. You're going to be searching in Google like, like you were describing, Dan. So I'd be curious to know what the different touch points are in the whole customer journey and then how the conversion actually occurred most effectively, whether it's for mattress or other high average order value products. Yeah, there's that, that's a loaded question. There's a lot of data we went through. There was probably 130 touch points before a sale. And the data didn't go back far enough, honestly, to track you know, how long we, we had people, we started looking further as we we've grown as a company that had seen the first ad like a year before they bought. Right. So there was, there was maybe half the people would buy within the first two weeks and half the people would buy within the, within like three months after that. So there's a, for, for a mattress, it was, and people were not brand savvy to mattresses. So it was, <clears throat> some Facebook and Google studies, the first, the, com the company that got the first, won the first click to the site, won that sale 85% of the time. So it was really important to get the ad right, to get someone to your site, be interested to, you know, to win that sale. And that, and then also you have to look at it very full funnel and you do today too, because people are even like this summer, People are even more concerned about researching a company, researching a product before they buy, you know, with fears of recession and that kind of thing. They're still going to buy, but they, they're going to take a little longer. They're going to wait for that deal to come and, and then they're going to do more research. So you have to think of what are the objections to buying? How do I answer all those questions people have before they buy? You know, are, you, and are we answering that within the ads? within retargeting ads, within an article, you know, with, you know, having affiliates help you out, having, you know, all the research on your site, you know, through email, through text, you know, we have to look at a full funnel that way, especially with expensive item where they're going to shop you even more. So if that, if, if that was, did that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, totally. It seems like, the, the, sorry, Chris, we're going to say no, something. I'll just say you asked specifically about quizzes too. 
right? Yeah, they're effective, right? I mean, we we have a client that we work with that is a company that we actually just started to work with that has a quiz that they utilize for a customized pillow offering, right? And 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 we've just seen it in a lot of other aspects as well. We've seen it also in lead generation. So not not only just in product sales, but in lead generation quizzes are we we have a, we are familiar with a company that we've worked with that makes hundreds of millions of dollars basically off of a quiz on lead generation. And so, but in product on the product side, super effective as well, right? Especially if you have a customization aspect, like a mattress can can be customized. And there's some companies that are customizing their mattress builds, but also just high dollar value type products like a mattress, right? It's it's very effective for helping the client or the customer be able to make decisions, purchasing decisions as they're going through the the buy process. We have an e-bike client too that does really well with a customized kind of fit on their site but it's a little bit of a two-edged sword because that can also be a complicated experience online and you have to be very simple so in purple launch it was one mattress it was kind of pitched of like it's made for most body types because it flexes on your weight and it and it pushes back on on the soft parts of your body and once we introduced more mattresses and more complications conversion rates were cut in half so it is a complicated thing to do. Like if you don't do a, a quiz the right way, it could hurt conversion rates too because it's, it's it's too complicated for the user to understand quickly. Yeah, 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 totally. For But when, once you capture the data, how does email play into that? Because Dan, what you were describing, the, the full funnel and the multi-touches, some of which is kind of like out of your control, whether it is like word of mouth or referral yep. affiliate. So how does email come in to kind of like complement, guide the, the customer down, like the brand story, the, the founder story, the products in the way. Yeah, that the, way I, the way I look at it is there are very different people that need different messaging and need some handling different parts of the funnel, right? So, I mean, in general, um, some people are going to convert quickly. They know what they want. They've been researching. They just need the offer, right? Some people need need some more time. And so you have to look at like, if they do this, then we do this. If they do this action, then we give them this something else. If they do this and don't convert, then we give them something else. You know, in email, it's like people will, some people will convert on a, you know, kind of a, the message around avoiding pain, you know, the problem solution type of thing. Some will, will be about gaining pleasure. Some will be a logic, you know, a data point, you know, 72% of people get better sleep if they have XYZ, right? So you have to like look at those personas and there's different personas buying your stuff, you know, that that act differently, that need a different message at a different point in the funnel and really map out that messaging throughout, you know, from the ad down through, you know, if they, if they come to the site and they abandon cart, like what do we need to send them and test that through? And that's going to be email. It's going to be, it's going to be text messaging. And it's a similar kind of strategy. It's just that, you know, you, in email, you can have a little bit more information, like a landing page in email or something too. So I kind of went all over the place, but I look yeah. at it kind of full funnel that way, not just email specific, but you know, that messaging throughout, you got to map it out right for, for each persona. Yeah. Without them raising their hand though, or completing a questionnaire, or a quiz form, how would you pair one particular contact in your database to a persona? How, how are you building this segment like, without explicitly zero party data? Yeah, and I don't, I mean, some people think they can map it so granularly. I think that's really hard to do, mm. where I think you have to just sort of generally put it out there. <laughs> sure. 
it's like it, it's almost too hard to like get each specific person on your site you know each data point but it's like you just got to have the information out there you know people are going to be searching those questions online too you got a landing page that has the same question you know like if we go into into mattresses of of you know there might be a sleeping cold question there might be a what's the warranty question it might be a what is, you know, that's sleeping hot, pain related question. Those are all different pain points. Some people are gonna buy because they sleep cold. Some are gonna buy because they wake up with shoulder pain. Some just want a, an inexpensive mattress that they, they know there's a good return rate on it. You know, you just have to have all that stuff out there in different places. So, yeah. and then 130 touch points, it's like they're coming and going. And then it, as much as cookies we have on those people, like you get lost of where those people are, you know? Yeah, so. totally. Um, so right now, Stoic Eddie, you guys seem to be focusing a lot on video ads. Video is kind of like maybe the future of where digital advertising is going. And if you can nail it, like you did with a Goldilocks ad or, or video promotional video, there's so much that you can convey with it. And then you can chop it up, use it creative in different ways. Can you share a little bit of your take where Stoic Yeti defines itself as it's kind of like providing this unique value to help brands stand out when there, there might be a lot of noise or clutter in a, in a given marketplace. Yeah. So I think I'll give you a case study in this that I think is kind of interesting. It's a company called Gab Wireless and they build mobile devices for children, probably between the ages of, of eight and 12. They're trying to, you know, build a device and offering that's, that's for kids older than 12. But that just kind of generally seems to be about their sweet spot. We've been working with them for a couple of years. When we first started working with them, they were utilizing long form video, just like we did at a purple to acquire customers and it wasn't working very well, right? It was, they were acquiring customers at a loss right out of the gate. I won't go into all the specific numbers on it, but it was, it was pretty expensive to acquire a customer in a paid campaign utilizing uh long form video. So, and, but long form video, video has its place. I mean, we immediately came in and looked at it. it. It is a good video. And I think there was, there was a lot lacking, I think on the media buying front, just in terms of best practices and what you would do there. So we immediately stepped in our first, our first, like order of business there was let's take the long form video and let's take this and cut it into nice short form video. Right. Especially, you know, when we started working on that account, 2020, it was really the short form was emerging as the winner. Right. And so we started cutting a lot of produced video over there into short form and immediately brought the acquisition cost down to, I'm, I'm going to call it something acceptable, which would be better in their case would be better than a one return on ad spend. And so like, most people wouldn't look at that and say that's acceptable, right? Which we understand. But in their case, that, that point to get it there from a cost perspective, it was acceptable. At that point, we started to take a really good look at what their organic marketing team was working on internally. They were doing a lot of influencer type of marketing. And we started talking to those guys and said, hey, what we'd like to do is take your influencer marketing, we'd like to run those videos as ads and we'd like to go test that. And just taking that video and converting it over to, to ads worked really well. But the thing that was like probably the most effective was, uh, and this is really where, where we specialize internally was we would take those ads and we would cut them specifically to a direct response model. So if we had a video from an influencer that was 30 seconds long of them just talking about the product, we, we would take that video and we would say, okay, where's the problem statement? Where's the solution statement? What's the benefits they're talking about? What's the call to action out the back end, right? And we would cut those videos to basically meet that model and then go run that in platform. And when we did that, we saw our best results, which was a really acceptable return on ad spend 
um, a very appropriate acquisition cost and a really happy client, right? The thing that was awesome about that is that user-generated content, especially if you kind of get outside of the influencer world, there's really two kind of worlds here in influencer marketing, which is you got your influencers, they want to get paid a lot of money, they got a really good organic presence, right? And they're trying to do a deal with the company to utilize their content also in ads. But then you have people who are just, they're not that, right? They're, they're, they're user-generated content producers who are just really good at talking about product. Like they get the model, right? We like to work with the latter because then we're not hung up on contracts with influencers. We don't care about social reach necessarily. You know, I mean, we kind of do, but we kind of don't at the same time. You burn that down really quickly, right? So, and with content creators, the other thing we could do is whitelisting. So we could take their video, we could cut it, or we could work with them, get it back up as a cut video, run it whitelisting through, through their accounts. And that is converting really, really well across like all of our clients right now. And that's a, it's a big piece of the playbook that we go to in, in our marketing efforts. So we've seen this switch kind of, especially like the other piece in here that I didn't really talk about was the introduction of iOS 14.5, which really kneecapped Facebook's ability to, to gather data. That was pretty harmful to a lot of brands. But the thing that's always constant is that you always have to be producing good content, right? It has to meet a certain criteria. It's got to meet a certain model. And you always have to be testing it in platform to optimize it, to make sure that it works. And uh, that's where we really got, we really just re leaned really hard into the content side and out the back end, our customers are doing really well with that, with that strategy. So I just said a bunch of stuff there, but Dan, what would you add to that? If anything? A little bit, is just a synopsis, the difference we've seen, we ran a lot of branded content in the past, right? Bigger brand videos where now it's way more effective to have the customers tell the story of the brand and the brand tell the story of the brand. And, and that, that's a big that, that's a game changer right now. You know, how forever long that lasts, right? Yeah. Something else, something else will happen down the road. People get sick of it, whatever. But right now that's, that's like the, the sweet spot for a direct response ads. We're not showing up in the client's world going, oh, hey, you got to produce a $500,000 video. Nobody wants to spend $500,000 on a video if they don't know it's going to work or not, right? They have no desire to do that. We totally understand that. Like we took that risk on purple and it worked, but it could have not worked. We've seen it not work a hundred times in a lot of other places. So showing up and saying, hey, look, what we really need to do is go get the right content producers to create really good video and then we'll edit it, we'll manage that entire process and then get that into the paid platforms. That's music to their ears because that's a very in inexpensive option, right? And it's also the most effective option. So you're like lowest cost thing, like highest output of performance is this strategy right here. Everybody wants to hear that. Everybody loves that idea. We don't blame them. We love that idea too. And that's what we do. And brand people seem to not like it very much. <laughs> it's like brand people, uh, there's some conflict there within companies. Of they, they feel like they need to control how things look, who's talking about it. But that doesn't work in like Facebook and Instagram, especially TikTok. It doesn't work. People do not want to see a brand piece of content. They don't want to see an ad. You know, it, it's, it is, if you want to be successful online, like you, you got to like lay your ego aside and let, let these, these users, you know, do their thing. And it's, it's their brand talking about your product. It's not your brand anymore. So, right. So if I can just summarize the, the high level strategy, you're, you're finding kind of like, in my mind, it's the Marquise Brownlees, like the, the people who are deep dive product experts for a given niche. Let's say it's like wireless phones for kids. They're pr producing their own long form content, but you, you, 
take that content, you chop it up to be more specific where almost fitting a framework of problem statement, solution statement, the benefits of the product itself, <clears throat> compile that into like a 30 second ad, and then you're running it on its native platform, like a, a TikTok video would be in TikTok native form, whatever. And then, and then you're kind of like constantly testing, iterating, optimizing. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a form where we're doing it and it could be 10 seconds and it's, and we do that with, with user generated content too, where we'll, we'll send, provide them a list of questions to act, to answer in their content where the questions are really around those, you know, benefits and solutions, problem statements, where it doesn't sound like it's a, a infomercial ad, but, you know, we, we try to run the same formula, you know, it's, Instead of saying like this mattress is built so you don't sleep hot anymore, you know, it's it's someone saying, you know, they're like, I have never slept as well. I sleep so cool. It's the best thing I ever had. You know, it just it's it's so, so natural, but it's still sitting those same points. Yeah. Have you guys found any? Of course, there's no formula. Everything changes, especially if you're using user generated content. But in terms of the hook, where you know the first three seconds, the, the very beginning is so critical to get them to continue watching or you know thumb up and and move to the next video. Have you found a, a good kind of like a formula or framework to really capture attention from the outset? Yeah, I mean it's constantly evolving. We we actually Dan and I work on this a lot with just our in-house video team. We're like, hey, like what you do in those first three seconds, like what you build into this video is critical, right? And so we look at a lot of our own video. I think I think that's probably the first thing is we're looking at video that our team's producing for clients and we're approving that video internally. That's probably the first thing we look at look at within every video is what's happening in the first three seconds of this video, right? Mm -hmm. Brand people sit there and be like, oh, let's do like this really pretty scene and this thing. And, you know, and it's like, boom, somebody's gone when you do that. You have to give them something immediately. They've got to see the product being used in some interesting way. You know, like we have a product right now that's an interesting product that we're working with. And it, we see the thing and it's obvious, right? To us, we're like, the thing that works immediately is in the first two seconds, you see somebody using this product and it's got an interesting use case. So it's like, just show off the use case, right? It's very demonstrable, right? And the more demonstrable your product is, the more likely you are to win, especially if you're showing it off in those first three seconds. And I'd say in general, get a face in those first three seconds and the product at the same time. And then maybe a text overlay of what, she's, of what that person is saying. You know, that, that kind of punches you in the face. We've had yeah, yeah. some ads not work at all. We work with a, a theater chain too. They did, they have bowling alleys and arcade and, and movie theaters. And the same ad and just put in a, a question right in the beginning of like, what's the best place for family fun? Like it's simple and kind of dumb, you know, but it's like the family fun part of it, you know, that just those, those words in the beginning, it changed the outcome of the video. You know, it's, so you're always testing, you know, and if you're, if you don't know like what that message is, questions in copywriting, like that, that's a, a kind of a cheat code a little bit, like figure out what questions, because you want for a hook, you want people to see a question. They want to answer that question. You know, what's the best place for family fun? If you're a mom or a dad, you're like, oh, I need to know the best place for family fun. I'm going to watch more to see what the best place for family fun is. The intro to the Gold Lux video when we tested 25 different versions of that back in 2016, but the intro that, that worked the best was what's a super easy way to know if your mattress is awful. You know, it's a question and you're like, Oh, maybe my mattress is awful. I'm going to see what the easy way is. And it goes into a demonstration of it. 
like the question's always a good like one you can test out. And that, that's a good, you know, kind of hack to do. Just put a bunch of different questions in a spreadsheet, do some different videos of those questions, and then you can test visuals as well to see what gets a better visual with the with the right question. Yeah. Those those that's a good like you know way to start. And then tactically, like if if it were today, 2022, you're you're gonna be kind of testing each of those 25 different hooks at the beginning, and then you're just monitoring view through rate or engagement rate through the video. And then yeah, it kind of depends, you know, it depends what channel we're on. If we're talking about Facebook, Instagram, there is a little bit of a, you know, they're not tracking the, the bottom of the funnel or the sales very well since iOS. Right. So we still want to look at return of ads from those ads, but we also want to look at what's that, what that watcher it is. If we're testing all those different versions at first, you know, depending on your spend spend level, you don't you can't test all twenty five at the same time. But you might you might start with five, you know, three to five, and then you see which one works the best, and then you may do a different iteration off that. You know, yeah, where it's like, what's the best place for family fun, or you know, someone saying, "My kids love it here, at Fat Cats." Here's why, you know, it, it just test different kind of versions off that to to try to beat the winner. Yeah, you yeah. want to beat that winner every week. You want to get incremental results, you know, every week. And that's just testing that a lot of times it's just testing that intro. Yep. High volume creative output. So this has been really interesting. Thank you so much. I wanted to close with kind of like moving back in time to low tech channels that you guys seem to have been testing some low tech channels that have, have worked well for direct to consumer brands that piqued my interest. I'd love to hear more on what that possibly could be. Yeah. We, I mean, we can, that's actually a really good, like especially for your listeners, if they're running a direct consumer company, like we see this all, all the time, especially with higher dollar value products, right? Like a bicycle, right? Mattresses, you know, more than $500,000. It's incredible to us. Like when we show up and people are like, you're selling like a $2,000 bike and you don't have your phone number on your website. If you're selling a product that is, especially to a demographic that is like 50 plus, like we've had an e-bike company before that's in that 50 plus range that they're selling to on the e-bike, no phone number on the website, right? That demographic wants to talk to you. They've got questions about financing. They got questions about assembly. They have questions about every possible thing under the sun and they're not going to buy until they get their question answered. And a phone number is kind of critical, especially like in that price range. Email is old now, right? But it's like one of your most effective channels. I mean, can, can be one of your most effective channels, especially in a band and cart. Same with SMS, right? SMS is actually old technology right now, right? Even looking at channels like print and television, right? They're not digital channels, but they're extremely inexpensive because all of it's a sloshing bathtub principle that Warren Buffett talks about, right? All the dollars are moving away from print and going over to digital. Digital is getting expensive. Print is super cheap right now. So if you have like, and Dan, I'll have a couple examples on this, but it's like, you know, if you have a product that's especially again to that, like that 50 plus demographic, you go start running in print, you see extremely good. And Purple did this, not really good results from this. The, there's a demographic that still shops with print magazines. Like they get subscriptions to print magazines and they use that to shop for their products they want. You know, that over 50 demographic, there's, small magazines like just AAA magazine and stuff like that you probably don't think of then you put a phone number in then you're going to get slammed with phone calls we and we first did it and you know one one mistake we did was we didn't have a, a team answering phones over the weekend mm. and that magazine went out and we had a thousand calls over the weekend 
Oh no! Like from a print, from print. Yeah. <laughs> and then everybody, and on Monday, the the that everybody's trying to answer, return those phone calls, and it's kind of too late. So you got to be ready for it. Like, but those are cheap, you know, relatively to some of the other ad platforms. Those are cheap phone calls. Those are really high qualified people calling and calling them number on a magazine, right? Yeah, yeah. So interesting. Actually, my my guess when I asked the question was direct mail. I thought you you'd say direct mail like postcards. I'm speaking with uh, Drew Sanaki, who's CEO of Postpilot. Yeah. They basically do yeah. custom. Postcards. Yeah, you do some retargeting off Postpilot, and they those work pretty well. I, I think it kind of depends on what the what what product you're in. We did a lot of billboards as well, and and um, we've had protein bar companies do a lot of billboards too that work really well. Especially if you have a retail presence too, you know, billboards are really great. And you combine, and you can track that with like a Waze app, you know, for a, a navigation ad. So if someone sees your billboard and you can track if someone opens up their Waze and, and navigates to the store, you know, there, there's a lot of cool things like that you can do that's beyond just Facebook, Instagram. Fascinating. I didn't know that was a thing. Google's master plan is coming to fruition in my mind. <laughs> I get it now. Yeah. And Google Maps too will track like the you know, foot traffic in your store if you, if you have a retail location. So you can, you can kind of couple that with billboards and with, with your Google Maps and, and you can get a cost per store visit, you know, foot traffic too. So. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Chris and Dan, thank you so much for sharing all this. Probably what sticks out in my mind most is 130 touch points before a sale. So a lot of a lot of output required from marketers. What, what would the best place to learn more about you and connect with you guys online be? Yeah, just follow, find us at stoicyeti.com. That's our website. You can see tons of examples there of video that we've produced and a lot of the types of campaigns that we've talked about on, on, on the show today. So stoic and then yeti, but it's all one word.com. So uh, yeah, find, you can find all kinds of information about us there. All right. Chris Knudsen and, and Dan Bischoff, thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate thank your time. And that's the episode for today. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. We love you for it. If you found anything valuable at all or want to share your feedback, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also just drop us a line, hello at cartoverflow.com. We'd love to hear your feedback or suggestions so we can cover it in a future episode. All right, see you next time.